We are in Acts chapter 1, talking about after effects. We've talked about against all odds and how it's been against all odds, all the prophecies about Jesus that were given and every one of them has come true. How it's against all odds that one could be accused like he was and yet remain silent in the face of those accusers. And how it's against all odds that, that one could come and take our sins upon himself and be the uh, payment for that sin and get us redeemed and freedom and a life eternal in heaven. But that's exactly what happened. It boggles the mind. It's greater than we can think. It's greater than we can understand. But those of us who walk with the Lord, who have walked with the Lord, know it's true and can testify how the Lord works in our lives day by day, week by week, and how He has seen us through. Against all odds, this happened. And against all odds, Jesus Christ, as we celebrated last week, was crucified on a cross, was laid in a tomb, but the tomb couldn't hold Him, and He rose again. And he now intercedes on our behalf at the right hand of the throne of God. And so now we're talking about the after effects. What happened afterwards and, and what Jesus put into place. So read along with me at Acts chapter 1, 1 through 11. The author of Acts is Luke, wrote the gospel of Luke. So he says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not relieve Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they say, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. As we think about this, one thing I want to jump to real quick and just touch on is Jesus has been teaching them for three years about the kingdom of God. And, and saying that the kingdom of God has come, the kingdom of God is in the hearts. But we see in this one verse here, 
after he's talking to them, saying, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's obvious that they didn't fully understand what that meant, and it's obvious that their mind was still stuck in their rut when they said, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That was the whole crux of the problem when Jesus was here. People wanted a powerful reigning ruler to come to defeat the Romans and to reestablish Israel as a political kingdom, a political powerhouse again. And that isn't what Jesus came to do at this time when he came. He came dealing with the truer problem, the real problem of the sin nature in our hearts. He came to not free them from slavery to the Romans, but from slavery to sin and death. And God knew that was the biggest problem. That was what needed to be taken care of. If we have that freedom, that walk with God, He can see us through anything that we may face. And so, like we today, we can be stuck with a mindset and not hear what God is saying. And so, may the Lord open up our minds to where we understand what he is teaching and not be stuck on something like they are on a very short term, a very, uh, a very uh, physical type of uh, consequence. Yes, we want to be free from those, but there is a greater need in our lives of knowing Jesus Christ, of being filled with his power and having his strength. And that's what he's saying to them here. You have heard him teach. He is saying to them about the Holy Spirit coming. We have John 14, 15, and 16 that really encapsulate that. And the video we showed earlier refers to John 14, and we're going to look at it a little bit in depth in, in just a few minutes. But Jesus is, is teaching them that when he departs for them to wait, because the Holy Spirit was going to descend. And if you'll continue reading in the book of Acts, it shares how they did wait in Jerusalem uh, and how the Holy Spirit came and looked like cloven tongues of fire, rested on them, gave them the power to, to preach to people from around the world, to understand languages and to speak in such a way that no matter the nationality of the people, they understood and they heard the gospel. And we see those great uh, revivals that occurred and the great uh, uh, numbers of people that came. It said over 3,000 were saved in one day. This was uh, earth-shattering news. This was uh, uh, tremendous news that changed everything about how one had come, that God had come and redeemed them from their penalty of sin, and now they could have uh, fellowship with the Father. They could have the promise of eternal life. They could have the hope of the resurrection, and they could have God living within them, and that's what happened when the Holy Spirit came. There in John chapter 14, Jesus, who said many interesting things, many things that we chew over, try to understand, try to figure out what Jesus meant. He said some there in chapter 14, verse 12, when he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me 
will do what I have been doing. Do you realize that about yourself? That Jesus prophesied, predicted that you can do the things that Jesus was doing. We don't think that's possible. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. That's mind-boggling, that we could do greater things than Jesus did. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And of course, the astute disciple of God understands that doing things in Jesus' name is more than just tacking on at the end of the prayer, in Jesus' name I pray. Doing something in the name of Jesus, asking for something in the name of Jesus is having the mind of Christ within us, and we're asking for things that are on the heart of God, on the heart of Jesus, and so we're asking in his name. It would be like you sending someone to run an errand for you, and they don't just say, Wes sent me, but when they go, they go and and share the desires of my heart of what it is I'm wanting or what it is you're wanting, speaking for you, being an ambassador for Christ. And that's what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.20. If you'll look around, you'll see several of us have a pen on our collar and it's an ambassador pin from the royal ambassadors. You used to have a, a, a group of those meet here, and some of you know that. And it, it's a mission group for boys that did all kinds of things. But their theme verse was 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And an ambassador is one who goes not representing themselves, but representing the one who sent them, speaking for and of the one who sent them. And so Jesus is saying, you need to be my ambassadors and you will do greater things than I will. And one of the things that changes here is in Jesus' ascension to heaven is Jesus, though he was fully God, when he took on flesh, He became a finite individual like we did, like we are. We can only be in one place at one time. We can only be in one time in one time. We can't be everywhere at once. We can't can't be in every time at once. We are here in this moment, and that's where Jesus was. And in that human flesh, it limited him by choice, not because he was surprised, not because he didn't know it was going to happen, but it limited him. So when he ascended to the Father, then he sent the Holy Spirit, which is that third of the the triune God, the third of the Godhead, who comes to each person who has accepted Christ in faith and indwells them to empower them, to teach them, to lead them, to help them do things they couldn't do of their own power. And so in that, because the Holy Spirit now fills all Christians, that makes the the power of God, the power of Jesus Christ, 
throughout everywhere there are Christians. We fill the earth, and this is one reason why it is uh, uh, life-changing and world-changing to have Christians out there that even though we may slack on what God has commanded us to do, it is still by our presence as a believer in Jesus Christ, we are bringing the presence of Jesus Christ in each and every situation. And that presence is a power that can overcome evil and dissuade evil from working. And so that is important. And it is one of the ways Jesus said, lo, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that can seem contradictory because he left earth, he went to heaven, but he as God is with us always through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot escape him. We can't go to a high mountain. We can't go to the deepest sea. Uh, like Jonah, we can't jump on a ship and try to go out to sea. God was there with him. God is with us always, wherever we are, in all the good times, the joys, and all the hard times and everything in between, He is with us always. And that is a powerful, wonderful promise that no matter what situation we're in, our God is with us and knows what's going on and is working and wants to work within us. It's also a terrifying thing to think about that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, our Savior is with us and sees each and every action we take. He knows each and every thought. So it's a double-edged sword of blessing and fear in that we have that assurance that God is with us, ready to help us, ready to protect us, ready to watch over us, ready to lead, guide, and direct us, ready to teach us, ready to give us wisdom. But he's also there as God seeing each and every action we take out, each and every thought we have. And, and that is a, a critical thought that's good for all of us. And my fingers point back at me as I point out to you that each of us need to realize He is with us always. We take Him wherever we go. He goes through whatever we do. So Jesus is teaching this to the disciples there in John 14, and He goes on teaching about the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened. That's the after effect of Jesus Christ when he ascended into heaven. His, his finite corporal body was left behind. He ascended again to be at the right hand of the throne of God. Chapter uh, the first 14 and uh, chapter 14 of John there in those first verses tells us that he didn't go and just abandoned us. He went to prepare a place for us so that he would one day come back and return to take us to be with him. So he didn't just abandon us. He's going, preparing for you to join him one day. And just as a side note, there at the end of uh, verse 11 that we read, the angel says, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And if you'll take, make a note there of 1 Thessalonians 4.17, 
That is where Paul wrote to the Thessalonians who were worried about the dead in Christ, that they were going to miss the resurrection, assuring them that they wouldn't. But that's where he says, and we who are alive will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. At that point, he doesn't come and set foot on earth again. He comes in the cloud, and we're told with the trump, with a shout of the archangels, it's going to be a magnificent uh, occurrence, uh, magnificent for those of us who know, and it'll strike fear in the heart of those who don't know him, but we'll go to meet him in the air. And that word Paul uses is called up, and it's come up. I've had someone specifically ask me, about that situation and and why are people that he was listening to uh, preach about the rapture? Because he said, I read, I don't see the rapture in the Bible. And I shared with him, no, you won't find that word rapture in the Bible. But what that is, that is the Latin word, uh, anglicized rapture, of what Paul talks about being caught up to meet him in the air. So the concept of the rapture is there in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, even though you won't find that word. But where it says, and we who are alive will be called up to meet him in the air is what that's referring to in that passage. And so here at the end of verse 11, the angel's saying, why are you standing here looking? Well, I'm sure we all would do the same thing. If we're there with Jesus, the next thing you know, he's kind of, drifting up into the clouds, we kind of, hmm, is he coming back? Uh, you know, where, where'd he go? But the angel's kind of saying, I think in the subtext, you're kind of wasting your time here. He has gone, but he is coming back and will come back in the clouds. Now, you need to go do what he said to do. And what did he say to do? You will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So these are the after effects of what happened when Jesus Christ rose from the grave, walked among us for 40 days. He showed his body to the people. He ate with them. He showed that he, he was very real. He wasn't just an apparition. He wasn't a figment of imagination. He wasn't a, a figment of, of, of just hope. He was a real person back in the flesh. And it, it, uh, some of those who have time to go through have, have gleaned from the Scripture, and it tells us that he appeared to over 500. And actually, the return of Jesus Christ, the resurrection, is recorded by non-Christian people, Josephus being one who wrote a history of the Jews. And in his writing, he talks about this one called Jesus and what happened to him. So there is not only biblical text about what happened with God, there is non-biblical, secular, historical text uh, 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 talking about Jesus Christ being on earth and his resurrection. So it's very real, and that's what Jesus was doing for those 40 days. He was showing himself, he was doing some final lessons, Thomas, good old doubting Thomas, said uh, when the disciples told him, Jesus has come and seen us, he said, I'm not going to believe it till I see the, the nail prints in his hands. And so uh, Jesus 
being God, heard that even though he wasn't there. So when he confronted Thomas, he said, come Thomas and see. And Thomas believed. Good old doubting Thomas had to, had to see it to believe it. I guess he was from Missouri, the show me state. But uh, he did after that, and he was a devout disciple of Christ. He went on to serve Christ in, in all those ways. But Jesus showed to the people that he had risen, he was alive, and he was going to be ascending, but he wasn't going to leave them alone. And I can't imagine having walked with Jesus for those three years, living with him, laying out on the hillside, seeing him heal the people, listening to his teacher, seeing him uh, uh, confront the religious leaders or other people that were oppressing, seeing all that he did, and then suddenly he's gone. The loss they must have felt in their life and wondering what on earth are we going to do? And so Jesus is assuring them, uh, he's assured, they're assured by the angels here, he's assured in John chapter 14, he had prepared them, tried to prepare them that yes, he was going to go, but it was for their good, our good, that he went because he knew that he needed to ascend to heaven. And once he ascended, the Holy Spirit, God, that third part of the Godhead, would come and infill each and every one that calls upon his name. And it is unfortunate the lack of belief that has existed in the Holy Spirit. The Bible clearly teaches that he is a person, he is a part of the Godhead, and yet so many have diminished the Holy Spirit as just being just kind of the Spirit of God, uh, not really a person, and in that they have denied his work, they have denied the power in their lives, they have denied what he can do, and the Holy Spirit is our strength. He is what seals us in Christ. He is what gives us wisdom beyond our wisdom, knowledge beyond our knowledge, power beyond our power, and sees us through each and every situation. And so we need to embrace this teaching of Jesus Christ himself to deny the Holy Spirit is to deny the teaching of Jesus Christ. He left so that we could be infilled. He left so that we could have him with us always, no matter where we are, what we're doing. And he, in his leaving and in his empowering us through the Holy Spirit, he then gave us that great command to go and tell others about Jesus Christ. And in that way, we can do more than he could do, not because we're more powerful than Jesus, but because we, being many filled with the Holy Spirit, can go to places, can talk to people that he couldn't in his finite body. And so we can do greater things, and we have even greater abilities as we get into more modern times. And even this small church and other small churches who are given this commission to tell the gospel to the whole world, how on earth can we do that 
Well, we do that through supporting our missionaries like the Annie Armstrong offering, the Lottie Moon offering, and Christmas. But we also do it through the power of live streaming. We have some even today who needed to stay home who are watching this service and being able to worship. We have people across America and around the world, literally, who are tuning in to watch the broadcast, to hear us worship Jesus Christ and to hear the preaching and the message of God over the airwaves. And so this little church in this little town in Kentucky is, has a global ministry through your gifts, through the cooperative program, and through the empowerment of our live stream services. And so that is one way that we are accomplishing the command, the mission of God. And the other way that we have that more and more of you are tuning into and turning on to is in personal sharing about Jesus Christ and taking the materials on the table. Many of you have taken those packets and, and distributed them in your neighborhoods. And I encourage you to continue to tell them to just let them know there is a God that loves them. There is a place that they can come and hear about God. There is a hope to their hopeless life by taking that word and saying a word to them of encouragement and love. You can tell your personal story about where you came from in salvation and how God met your needs. And, and that's what God has called us to do. That is the mind of Christ. We have verse after verse, and, and the verse in Peter is a great one, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to eternal life. God in His wisdom, God in His structure and His choice has chosen to use us to carry that message and to let us be a part of that blessing. We're going to, that's going to be a gist of our sermon next week is how we have the opportunity to be blessed when we follow and obey God. And so we take that word out and we share about Jesus Christ, his resurrection and his role in our lives and what he can do in other people's lives. And in that, we are going in the name of Jesus Christ because that's what Jesus Christ came to do. And so we are ambassadors for Christ. And so the after effects of this is, by Jesus Christ dying on the cross, rising from the grave, ascending into heaven, all of that was done to redeem you from your life of sin, but also so that God could come dwell with you. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you, have, if you have accepted his gift of salvation, then the word says the Holy Spirit resides within you. Now we can quench the Holy Spirit, we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can restrict the Holy Spirit, but if we will walk in faith, trusting and believing, listening, then God is empowered through our lives and we change the world one life at a time. And that's a tremendous after effect. So Jesus Christ, when he came, came so that God could dwell within us, could right now have fellowship with us, 
And then we have that blessed hope of that day we go to be in his heaven, in his kingdom. So it is a tremendous blessing we've received through the work of Jesus Christ. And it's more than just a feel-good message on Easter about Jesus coming and dying for your sins. It's a message of empowerment and strength that he has given and the presence of God Almighty with you. And so I, I really pray that God would open your heart and mind to that, that you would see it in a new way, that you would accept it in a new way as truth, and that you would live in a new way as we walk with Christ.